Hey everyone, it's Tom Karadza, and on this episode, Nicholas Alexander Karadza and myself sit down for part two with Adam Nyman. So Adam, if you missed the first one, I highly recommend you go back listening to it. Adam is in the insurance business. He knows this topic really well. He starts diving into um, the topic of insurance policies that are often referred to as infinite banking policies or be your own bank kind of thing. And he got into some of the pros and cons of that kind of thing last time. I think some of the takeaway was that he was perhaps against insurance, which he's absolutely not. What he's trying to do, and I really kind of give him credit for this, he's trying to shed light on some of the areas of the insurance industry that maybe aren't so obvious. And, you know, he's trying to share some of the information that has come to light for himself. And I think every industry or every industry I've ever been involved with, whether it's been construction or software and technology or real estate, there's always parts of that industry that aren't really obvious to people who are just getting into it. And I think what Adam is doing here is really amazing because he's trying to break things down in a really easy to understand way. And I think sometimes when people do that, the takeaway from that is that they think the person is against the topic they're discussing, which Adam is clearly not. He is pro-insurance. He's just trying to share some of his thoughts on the whole topic. We really give him credit for doing this. Thrilled to have him back. So we kind of go through some of this and break out, break apart some of the conversation that we had last time and just uh, try to bring some extra clarity to it. So if you enjoyed part one, I, I really think you're gonna enjoy part two with Adam Nyman. And that is what's happening on this particular episode. And if you are listening to this and you think somehow real estate is gonna be part of your own portfolio moving forward, you can come out to the next intro introductory class that we are holding. It's over Zoom and you can register for that by visiting CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. So that's CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. It's about a 60 minute class where we talk about all the latest things that we're doing with real estate investors all around the greater Toronto area and the Golden Horseshoe right around Lake Ontario. And we stick around, Nick and myself, and answer any questions that you may have on any topics, whether it comes to uh, you know, cash flow, population growth, interest rates, types of property, student rentals versus duplexes versus rent to owns with the pros and cons of each, whatever comes to mind, we will tackle them at the end of that introductory class. That's enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are recording. We are recording. We're, we're, we are live with Adam Nyman. I don't know if anyone has come back so soon, Adam. So this is a pleasure and an honor to have you back here because you're looking at me like you don't want to be back here. Dude, we do not have to record this if you don't want to record it. No, we have a nice office. We gave you a nice I coffee. I gave That's you nice fresh. mugs. You did. Shameless plug. <laughs> you gave us nice mugs. Thank you. I do appreciate the mugs. We do drink coffee here. And those are fresh organic beans that I smuggle into the country. Nice. Those are from the U.S. Free trade. I get them shipped. No, I don't think this is free trade because what happens is I ship them I'm to joking. a U.S. <laughs> Come into the microphone, pull it really oh, close. Sorry. The beans are from the U.S.? No. No, the beans are from always like a different place. These scientists roast them out of Maryland. I think it's like Baltimore. And uh, then I ship them because my reship address is in Portland, Oregon. But it's free domestic shipping in the U.S. So I get them shipped for free to 
Portland. This is how I'm destroying the environment accidentally. And then, Intentionally. Oh, no, accidentally. <laughs> accidentally and, on purpose. Uh, and then I pay to ship it to Canada and then I get customs. So there's no free trade. So you have a U.S. address. Yeah, like one of those. So you could buy tickets to the game in Florida on Sunday. For sure. Sweet. Yeah. 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 No, it's a billing address. It won't work. No. Yeah. No, there's a million ways to get that. You know how many Leaf tickets Leaf fans are going to be in the Florida? Oh, yeah. Well, they don't know that what the amount that Leaf tickets will pay for the tickets because we're so used to paying these prices up here. We could go down there and buy from resale and it's still half the price. Oh, I think yeah. we could fly there, stay in a five-star hotel, go for a steak dinner and get amazing seats and it's cheaper than going. We've been going, by yeah. the way. We've been at all home games except for the first of the second round. We're going oh, tomorrow. Sweet. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. I got yeah, offered tickets on Tuesday. I just couldn't. It was too busy. I just couldn't go. Well, now that you know the score, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe if he went, he would have been the difference maker. I don't know. Thanks, Adam, oh. for not supporting another another one of my fuck ups so no there's no but no you're saying that because since you came here we've had some feedback about your podcast to us all positive maybe people wouldn't tell us negative stuff but i think people liked your approach on insurance so for a quick recap Mm -hmm. for if someone's listening to this the first time when you came a few weeks ago on this we talked about the concept of is it infinite Infinite banking infinite banking and participating life insurance specifically participating life insurance and how sometimes it's like a black box where you don't really know what's going on you kind of hand over um, your cash and out of this magical black box you don't know what comes out yeah. and I think that's what you are articulating mm-hmm. and um, a bunch of people you should know also told us that you are a fan of insurance that you were just kind of digging into this aspect of insurance and they appreciated it so we want you to know that's some of the stuff that we are hearing I appreciate. I that don't one. know if that's what you heard from the feedback that <laughs> we're hearing from you but on our side we really appreciate it so so I've gotten two sides. So I've gotten probably, I've had 15 conversations with listeners from the podcast, all positive. They oh, were great. great. Okay. Yeah, no, totally. I, I didn't know what you were, I no one, was about to no, say No, 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 no. <laughs> in fact, the, after I think the first week that it was posted, I was on cloud nine because I'm getting emails saying, hey, I heard you on the Rockstar podcast and really reinforced everything that I knew to be true before, which is that this is the most misrepresented product in financial services, most misunderstood and oversold. And when I say oversold, I don't mean it's purchased too much. When I say oversold is that people are buying too much of it. It's not that the fact they're buying any of it. Like, in fact, I had one call with a girl who was buying a small one, 100K, and getting a million dollars term rider. And she said, oh, should I really be doing it? And I said to her, I'm like, listen, like, this is fine. It wasn't sold to you as an investment. It was, it was sold to you as an investment only because you say yourself, you don't know anything about investing. And the idea of choosing your investments is just doesn't appeal to you. You want hands off. You like the idea that it kind of runs itself. And then in 20 years, when that term insurance is gone and your kids are older, you have a permanent insurance policy there. And if it grows, great. If it doesn't grow too much, great. And she was also given very conservative scenarios, which is dividend scale interest rate minus two, which means with, you know, potentially 50% of less than what she expected. And I said, listen, like, I would love to do business with you, but your guy did a good job here. Like, I I appreciate you calling me, but you're good. This is fine. You know what I mean? This is not uh, of all the the conversations that I had this no issue here. The rest of the conversations were 
we're just we're just nuts you know one guy him and his wife they have defined benefit pensions but you know that's going to be money when they're older okay let's say the houses they have the house worth let's say 700k half of it is a mortgage makes net income maybe 70k a year and he was putting like 10 15 grand a year into this thing well based on that idea okay and he's like oh and he's so interested in investing you know, we talk some stocks and I don't, I don't give this advice, but sure. we just talk stocks and RSPs and TFSAs. And, you know, he's a handy dude and he wanted to maybe get into real estate. And I'm like, man, like 10 grand a year at 6%, that covers like 200 grand in interest. You can take that. He lives in London, go buy a house. There's like around the corner from you, there's these like dirt houses that you can get and buy for 400 and put 50% down and flip it. And we just had a great conversation about actual asset building. And I said, I'm not saying that this pro- product or policy isn't an asset, but it's like it should be the bottom tier of assets. You need to real assets, like build up your stock portfolio, man. Build up your real estate portfolio and have those fuel and insurance policy. But man, putting basically 20% almost of your after-tax income into something like this that you have to keep feeding for the rest of your life potentially when you're uncertain and we're not given enough information with regards to how you're going to be paid dividends. I just think that's like irresponsible, especially when this is money that you've already been telling yourself that, man, I wish I could put all this in TFSA or borrow a little bit and put it into a stock portfolio, carry some interest. A few other people are putting like that I spoke to are putting like 60 to 80 grand a year into this stuff. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, shouldn't be. Um, there were a few people that were pitched this that didn't even need insurance, but were pitched this as a pension, as a fixed income asset allocation to their portfolio. And that's the type of stuff that bothers me. But they're all good conversations, and I think there's going to be some some business there from mm-hmm. some of them. On the other hand, I have gotten some like not the best feedback from peers. I guess there were some things that maybe shouldn't have said. Maybe I characterized things in ways that if I go back, I would have characterized differently. Um, maybe sitting in a room full of people, if I had prepared statements, I wouldn't say things that way. But it's a chilled environment you know i'm not really thinking about being on a podcast sure i'm just thinking about talking to you guys and freewheeling and sometimes i say things i feel like i I shouldn't say but this is who i am this is how i think about these things i sell it comes across like being very honest well i'm i don't know i'm i'm this is the way i see it and if someone's going to come at me with you know facts and say this is why he's wrong then i would love to like talk about the specifics you know and one thing i also realize is i say you know a lot. <laughs> when you listen yourself back, you notice that you have these nuances, things that you say, and that's one thing. At the end of something, I'll always say, you know, and I just thought to myself, like, why, the, why do you do that? Hmm. But I don't know, it's, it's part yeah, of your personality. Yeah, never listen to yourself. I never listen to myself. I can't. It makes me crazy. I think you have a nice voice. Oh, well, thank you very much. No but uh, yeah, I can't. I can't do it. Most people can because they sound differently to themselves. Yeah, they yeah. one time I was walking up at my son's soccer practice. Somebody was playing one of our audios in their car. And as like intentionally, a, they were throwing shade at you? No, no, no. They were actually <laughs> listening. No, in this case, they apparently were enjoying it. Yeah. And they were listening to this. As, an, as I approached, I heard my own voice coming out of their car. You're like, I sound like And I, it was like going through the twilight zone. Like my body started moving differently. I couldn't wave at them properly. I was like, oh my God, stop. So uh, anyway, but Nick, I cut you off. You're going to say something. No, I I was just going to say that it, um, it, it, it feels like with this conversation, because when I brought it up a couple of times with, with other people, immediately it, it goes in a different direction. It's hard to keep it on point because 
what I took from the big point for your conversation is that it's not like this is a terrible product or that insurance is this bad thing. Cause I had a conversation with someone and they're like, well, no, no insurance. I'm like, this isn't an anti-insurance thing. I'm, you know, but, and it wasn't intentional for me to like come off that way. If I did, I, no, I didn't no. want to, you know, and, and, but I think people took it that that way. But I think for, to me, it was like, you, you were just talking about the industry a bit and how things are positioned. And that's, there's those problems that you spoke about exist in every single industry mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's plumbing uh real estate, real estate. sales uh, the real estate's a big sales. one man see it on yeah. like instagram t- how many doors do you have how many doors do you have 50 doors uh, 120 I, doors i can't believe you're saying doors to, that's such a pet peeve for nick yeah. and i when people <laughs> you know, say how many doors they own it's just like oh or people like, will like, take take videos of lineups of people like looking to buy property saying hey buy now or you're gonna miss out like you know the way things are positioned in every industry there's there's it, it doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. No. Right? I mean, we've had investors come to us that want to invest in properties. They don't have their own finances in order themselves who, I don't know if they ended up investing in properties or not. And I'm not trying to to stop anyone from trying to create some kind of sort of you know financial success or freedom for themselves. But when they got into their personal finance situation, I said to them, I'm like, hey, you need to get your own house in order first before you start worrying about starting to invest in other properties. Like, mm-hmm. you, you really do, because I felt like it was setting them up for probably a not good situation, really stretching themselves thin. So to your point, yeah. there's some, some, th- there's Perfect not segue. one. So, am I a believer in real estate investing? Yeah. I, I, do I think everyone should have, if that's something they're interested in, should have a couple other properties if they're able to? Yeah, it's it's the benefits are huge. But... It doesn't mean that it's the right thing for everyone at that at that specific moment. There, you know, maybe down the future, you got to structure things a certain way. Same idea: get your house in order before you really invest in this. Mm. It's it's so funny. You remind me of a conversation I had with one of your listeners. Um, no, no kids. She's gonna spend it all. That's her goal. She has a real estate portfolio. Loves you guys. I'm gonna build it up, sell it at some age. Wow, and just. Burn it. I like Burn it, it to the Have ground. fun. You know? <laughs> For her. Now, to Have be honest, fun. I said to her, and I'm like, I'm going to bet you now you're not going to sell it all, yeah. right? And you're just going to take out some credit, and you're just not going to sell it all. You're not going to put 30 years yeah, into yeah. something and just be like, that's it. Like, that just that's not realistic. I understand that you may romanticize about that, but it's just not going to happen. So her idea was she was positioned the policy to be anything and everything to her. But the irony is she kept saying, like, I don't need life insurance. And they're like, no, it's a pension. It'll help you cover taxes. I'm like, listen, if you, it's not your, no one's going to pay the tax bill. Like, you're dying in the policy. I don't know. They may go to your state, but I don't know how this helps you pay taxes while you're alive. Maybe it does because there's cash value there. But why would you borrow from a life insurance policy to cover taxes and the disposition of the property? It didn't make sense to me. But I was talking with her, and she was presented a big policy, something like, you know, a grand a month. And I was talking with her and she mentioned, you know, her portfolio and what she has. It's, this is not her portfolio, but I'm going to make it up, right? $10 million in real estate and $5 million in mortgages against all the properties. And I said to her and I'm like, okay, so you keep doing what you're doing. Your portfolio in 20 or 25 years is worth $15 million. The debt's seven, six, seven million. You sell it all. You wipe the debt. You have a big pool of cash. You can pay down. Well, like... That's great if you can keep working and doing it and building it. I'm like, but what if you get sick? Like, it takes a lot of work. And I thought to myself, and I was telling her, I'm like, listen, there's a product called critical illness insurance. If you get sick, you can wipe the debt on everything, and you're done. So if you don't get sick, this is for you while you're alive. Mm-hmm. You don't get sick, 
20 years from now, it's all good because you're here. You do get seriously ill and you can't put the effort into, the, in, effort into your portfolio. You basically wipe the debt. And the irony is that selling her this type of policy, which I'll be meeting with her to discuss that in some degree, would actually is actually technically a, a bigger commission than the big investment policy she was pitched. But whoever was pitching her the, the invest, infinite banking policy is so fixated on this product as a solution for everybody that they couldn't actually see that there was a need for like some other insurance that would have actually paid them more money. Like that's why I believe this sort of following has kind of become a cult in a way, because if the solution is always this, you're not seeing the bigger picture. You're not kind of seeing the forest for the trees in a way. So that was a really interesting meeting because, you know, I thought I'd come away from this meeting being like, yeah, you don't need life insurance. Peace. Like, don't get this. You're not the candidate for it. When actually I'm like, holy shit, there's actually a potentially bigger sale here that actually helps you even more. Not to say that I'll make it. I don't know. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, I just found it kind of interesting, you know? So what, um, let's get into some of, uh, some of the stuff that you wanted to maybe address based on that conversation. Mm -hmm. I know you have, I don't know if anyone's walked back in here with comments printed offline that they're ready to address Eh. from, first of all, you should never read any social media comments. So my brother made me do it. Tip number one, Adam's brother, what's Adam's brother's name? Dale? Dale. Dale. I can't believe you, Dale. I can't believe Ad, you did this. Brother. Yeah. Adam, brother. Yeah, little does Dale know is I created these accounts to comment on myself. <laughs> so the positive ones, we can remove those. Yeah, exactly. Those... I made these comments and I, yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, so could we. They got me thinking. Okay. These comments. Okay. So let's go through some of them and you might have to give a, a bit of context for anyone who mm-hmm. hasn't listened to the first episode. Okay. So I think in the first episode, I was really fired up to be here. I think sometimes in business, and it doesn't always serve me well, I kind of operate with a little bit of a a chip on my shoulder. I think it goes back to my childhood and my upbringing. Everyone compares themselves a lot. I got compared a lot. So I think, I don't know where it comes from, but definitely I operate in that way. And and maybe it comes off as a little bit know-it-all-y. I don't know. It's not my intent. It's just kind of how I operate. But I definitely do talk with a bit of a chip on my shoulder. And I dislike how this product is positioned so much and I hate how it's oversold so much that I don't think I did a good job of explaining the principle of becoming your own banker at its core. A few of the comments were, well, has he ever spoken to like an infinite banking advisor or an accredited infinite banking practitioner? And my response would be, well, have you spoken to an accredited Adam Nyman advisor? Like it's just... That's not a real thing. I know they, they made it up, but it's not a real thing. You know, you guys could create an accredited, sure. you know Real what I'm saying? Real estate investment advice. Exactly. Accredited by Nick and Tom. And I'm sure you guys would do well with it, you know, but we no offense. Never, no, one, would no one would care. Most would people would say that. Right? So, and I've, I have spoken to advisors in discussion and a lot, some of them have, are drinking the Kool-Aid. Some of them mention, well, this is a marketing strategy. And then when I have people in the office, like they usually don't go down this road just because it's not for most people. And that's their business, how they characterize it. I've read the book, you know, the Nelson Nash book and the Canada, the Canadian version. And I read it again. And I think the book does a great job of reinforcing being independent financially from a credit perspective. The idea that you should have to cash in on investments or sell investments to finance things you need in life or other investments 
is a big problem. Mm -hmm. And having to go back to the bank constantly for new loans or new mortgages is a mess. Like dealing with the dealing with banks for terrible. For sure. Everybody should always be in control of all their assets and shouldn't have to sell anything if they need to buy a car or put a down payment on a house or finance some credit card debt. And I think the book does a really good job of teaching people and telling people that they need to have access to as much money as they can in a moment's notice. They shouldn't have to ask anyone permission to have access to that money. They should always have access to it. They should never sell an investment. They should always buy things that pay them. And as it grows in value, leverage it. But the idea that that should be done with a participating life insurance policy is what I disagree with. That's it. And I, and I, and I want to be very specific. Can there. you be matter, matter of fact like that? Or, or can sometimes the, the participating life insurance policy be the right solution? Because yeah. you're saying it's not for everyone. But, mm-hmm. but then at the same time you're saying it's not for everyone, you just said that it's you know, the fact that it would be done with participating life insurance you disagree with. But so, so do you really disagree with it? Or do you disagree with it being sold as the solution all the time? Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Okay, because I think maybe that's where you might have been, um, you know, the difference between kind of what you were thinking and what maybe was communicated last time is that it came off matter-of-factly like it's never the solution, whereas sometimes it feels like what you're saying now is like, hey, look, for the right person in the right circumstances, this could be a proper solution, except a lot of people are forced, is, are using a kind of, you know, round peg, square hole approach mm-hmm. and, and, and trying to fit it into every solution. Yeah, totally. I I think that's a great way of putting it. And there's, and I think the reason why I come at it with a chip, I would Mm -hmm. say, is because I meet so many people through your podcast and I have so many clients who it would have been so smart if they would have deployed that money into anything else. They would have had amazing wealth. I just saw this post a few days ago. If you put a dollar into Coke in like 19... 88 you'd have like 1.3 million dollars no really at that time in 88 i think yeah really? or maybe a little or no no sorry warren buffett bought in in 88 if you would have put a dollar in in 1960 that's what it was and i thought to myself and i always think about these policies that people are still putting in 40 50 60 70 bucks a month going back to like the 70s and we're not talking about like wealthy people here we're talking about some people sadly this is kind of all they have and i just and just say it's a sh- and i just think to myself i'm like man it's such a shame. You know? do, you, do you think there's a component of that that if they didn't have the, con, the contracted obligation to do that, that then they would have nothing? And then that is, you know, sadly, it's a benefit that maybe they do have it? You know what? It's funny you say that. Sadly, I feel like not much would have been different for a lot of these people. It's not like if they had the additional $70 a month to put elsewhere they would have chances are they wouldn't have and that's another advantage of these products sometimes it's like forced savings yeah a lot of people talk who can't save they'll talk about that's why i got a mortgage that's why i bought and and the primary thing for i just my mind just keeps going to someone listening to this for the first time Uh, the primary thing that you're saying is that you think the returns on these products aren't quite what they're advertised or presented to be so that's the next layer the the deeper layer the, the deeper level to this is that these aren't dividends in a traditional sense. The returns of the fund are consistently great, but that's not what you get. These illustrations and the number on the page, numbers on the page, are 
based on the accuracy of long-term assumptions, those assumptions aren't shared. So it's just very, and that's, and it's, as I said, it's, and as some insurance companies will say themselves, it's a black box. And so let's say for a second, you do believe that an investment grade life insurance policy is for you. You do want to, you have all this extra money. You do want to buy it inside a corp. You see all the tax advantages of doing it. Your accountant agrees and your peers agree that there's a lot of tax advantages to doing it. I think it's important to highlight that, highlight historically why these haven't performed well and say, you can accomplish this with this universal life product and have some sort of at least predictability where I can buy the investment and buy into the a US blue chip index or a balanced fund. Where because you on the, the universal life product, I can pick and choose where exactly. I want to deploy a portion of my annual contributions. Yeah, get a, it's like you go to the bank and you get a list of fund options. Whereas the exactly. participating so. policy, it just kind of goes into this investment pool. And what you're not told to this day, you're still not really told how dependent your dividends are in the interest rate environment. So I'll give you a quick example. I'm dealing with a, a client's policy, bought it in 2002. 20 years later, his dividend was supposed to be this year ten, eleven thousand dollars $11,000. Based on the illustration, it's actually around $2,500. Hmm. Significantly lower. So the question is why? This is not exactly the case, but this is the explanation I got, and it's along these lines. Back in 2002, interest rates were around 4%. The insurance company basically says, we're going to give you a guaranteed cash value, no matter what. It's going to go up every year for the rest of your life. It's never going to be more than the death benefit. So in this case, death benefit's a half a million dollars, meaning at the age 100, the cash value is a half a million dollars. In order for us to be able to finance that death benefit, we need interest rates to stay at 4%. If interest rates go below 4%, then that's our loss, but we contractually gave it to you. In order for dividends to stay at the level that were illustrated, we need dividends. We needed interest rates to go up to eight percent because that's what we've kind of predicted. Interest rates went to five. Difference between eight and four, five, seventy-five percent. You're now getting twenty-five percent of what was promised. So I find it interesting that you hear from insurance companies and advisors. Well, the longer you have a policy, the more the investment component matters. But if the investment component is, component is performing extremely well, but interest rates are a fraction of what was promised, then I guess what matters more is the interest rate environment and less is the actual returns of the underlying fund. Now, I would hope, given what's happened in the past, insurance companies, they know this, they're the ones that paid out settlements due to the vanishing premium litigation I covered in my book. I would only hope that they are significantly more conservative now. And maybe this is the best time in the last 10, 20 years to buy these products, and probably because maybe some of these companies were expecting interest rates to stay low for a long time. And the fact that they've effectively doubled over the course of the last year means dividends are going to be great. And to be honest, if you're buying this policy today or have it today, like you're going to get dividends for the next 20 or 30 years. Like My clients who aren't getting dividends, the issue isn't that they're not getting dividends now. They were getting them for the better part of 40 years. The issue is that when they're not getting them, I'm not being told why, and I'm not being told what needs to happen economically for dividends to return. And I just don't think 
it's fair to reinforce that. I think you should buy into things where you have proper disclosure and proper transparency, and you can see and choose where your money is going. And if you're going to buy into this product, I think it's very important that you know how dependent it is on the interest rate environment. And I think it behooves the insurance companies to kind of share a little bit what those predictions or what those assumptions are, just so you can make your own informed decision. Yeah, I was having a discussion with um, an insurance person. I guess someone that we got some insurance with earlier this year, uh, this week. Um, And they said, they showed me the current statement of of my policy right and and i'm like why can't i get like i don't get i go even on a year the yearly statement we that just I get, get the dues like, owed and you just get this tiny piece yeah. of paper and i'm like why can't i get this and i get i don't know i can pull it anytime and i'm like well if i got that information that gives why me, what did that show you what did it just that show? showed me it was a few of the numbers of the current cash value the okay. dividend amount you know because i look through i can't find that because you can't get it mm. so these guys can pull it anytime and he sent it to me I think I shared my. Yeah, I right? saw that. And I was just like, well, like these guys, this, these insurance companies, to your point, do a very crappy job of, of sharing this information. I go, if I had some of this, this info, at least that it gives me a more complete picture of what's going on versus this kind of black box approach. So he's going to send it to me every year now and mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, and I, I said to him, like, the, the thing that really can frustrate me about this product is it's like, hey, give us your money and then trust us. You know, I like, don't worry. It. That's it. Give us your money and trust us. And I'm like, well, I don't really operate that. And he's like, no, I get you. Can don't. I say, like, that's what my, our industry is, is kind of based in. Remember back in the day, the, re, the reason why we have trails, right? Isn't because we feel like we're entitled to make a percentage of your premium forever. The reason why we have trails is because way back in the day, the advisor went to the house, collected the premium, like physically in cash, kept a little bit and then gave the rest to the insurance company and, there was no other way to get the money to the insurance company. That's why there was a trail, because there was a service in collecting it. And now it's just part of what the industry is. And, and that's where the trust comes from. The reason why historically people have trusted their advisor so much is because this has been the person that collected their money every month by hand to make sure that if something happened to them, their family would get paid. There was no financial there was no electronic payment mm-hmm. system yeah. you know that the, the trust is ingrained into the industry yeah and that's i mean it's along the same lines as what they said they're like yeah it's like an old boys club mm-hmm. that's just the way I, that's I do, the way it's i do done, right? i do wish it was covered more about the interest rate impact on the policy you know just understanding that that is now maybe that's not maybe that's not the case anymore maybe they are less interest sensitive if you look at one of the articles that i mentioned in my book um the discussion of the vanishing premium litigation. That was a major point. What was never disclosed, and still kind of isn't, is how dependent these are on the interest rate environment. Maybe they are, maybe there aren't. But when I ask questions and I'm told, well, like, we have this information, we're just, it's just proprietary. And every company say it's proprietary. How can you evaluate? How can are, you compare? Are there some companies that are somehow less proprietary? You know how some, I think before you described that when you buy an insurance policy, you go into like a block, block or, yeah. and, and do, are, do they all operate like that from your understanding? Or are there some companies, and we don't have to name names because I don't want to, I don't think no, any I of us want to do this. I, I may actually but, lose my job. Yeah. Let's, let's not name names, but are there some where you, um, 
you really get like the percentage return of the that the company's publicly pu- publishing. Oh, you can get the returns of the funds. Like it's all there. Download the sheets. You're talking right? about how much of is, is how much they're getting from interest or like like the interest rates. You know how getting? you said that you're allocated into a block, mm-hmm. and that if the insurance company itself, out of its fund, is returning, you know, like seven percent. Maybe you're not going to get that much because your allocation or somehow you're a... I don't know. Another criticism. This guy says, I don't know too much. You're reading social media? That was a comment. comment. And the reality is they're right. (laughs) There are a lot of things that I don't know about this, about how I get paid. And I asked, and instead of a very specific answer, I get, well, it's proprietary. Here's an email. The assumption used the assumptions used are proprietary and not shared similar to all whole life products on the market. I can tell you that the assumptions of my experience overall are ultra conservative for all risks, including investment returns, mortality, expenses and taxes, inflation, and uh, the number of policyholders canceling their coverage. It seems like they all have their own secret sauce with this. And that's okay. You know, but I don't see it characterized that way out of the marketplace. I see it as this is like a guarantee, put a stamp on it, money for life, dividends for life, best thing ever. It's an asset. You don't want, and that's my problem. I think too many people I've spoken with want to grow the asset base, want to increase their wealth. And this is the third layer in my mind, not the first layer. The first layer is matching RSPs through work or leveraging, buying property, borrowing from your house to invest in stocks at a good time, holding quality companies for a long time, right? Follow Warren Buffett, what he does. And then you understand mm -hmm. deeply. Yeah, ideally. And then once you have a pool of money and you have money you don't have to work for, that's a great time to do this sort of of stuff. Fine. Not a lot of disclosure. I get that. Still a long history Mm -hmm. of solid dividends and returns. But these should be focused on when you have wealth that's fueling it you shouldn't be not as the primary vehicle to build your wealth yeah and like it's it's, if you're working hard to pay these premiums man it's not furthering you Mm -hmm. it's just not that's that's the feedback i got when i was talking about the kids um uh, earlier this week as well and the feedback was like you know and we this was a a more detailed discussion that that i had a few months ago but then he just reminded me of it when i was speaking to him this week, he said, yeah, you know, he goes, look, if I thought it was the be all and end all, you know, for the kids, I would tell you, but, but to your point, he's like, if you're trying to do something, it doesn't mean you can't do this, 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 or, you know, he's like, if you're going to put some cash away for the kids into one of these things, he goes like, maybe you just wanted, we could do this with it instead. And we can do this with it. It might actually benefit them more in the long run outside of the insurance component. You, you know what I mean? But he goes, the investment component, he goes, so, and uh, yeah, he was pretty open about it. So, so, so to your point, that's someone that's not trying to fit this solution into you know the answer for everything he's like look is it good like do i think it's good yeah it's it's there like it's something but it can you do other things that might actually be better under these circumstances yeah i think you can you know and i was like oh okay that's refreshing and i would never like throw shade at guides like that i'm just i see a lot of the stuff out there maybe it's because i i'm an insurance guy so the algorithms are set up as such that maybe I'm overexposed to a little bit. I'm little sure bit you of are. Let's face it. We are all overexposed exactly. to stuff that we shouldn't be seeing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And in the same way that you have advisors out there marketing a concept to sell and generate business, well, I'm just going to market my criticisms of that concept to sell 
and create business. And hopefully it's, you know, taken in the right sure. way and shared in the right way. What's interesting though, in trying to help this client with their policy, I ordered their original contract. Um, it took months to get it. But in the back of it, they actually had the dividend formula from 1994. Oh. Which is interesting. You should take a look. Here it is. I don't, oh my God. I don't do know. The, do yeah, the, I got to go back to calculus. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokes. That looks like a calculus problem from first year university that I never want to look at again. Yeah, there's no way I can make any sense of that. Yeah, exactly. you know, you, you know what? I guess just hearing when this, was this from? How long? Ago? 1994. Why is it making sense to you? I sent it to. I have a buddy of mine who's a data scientist. You know how people understand Bitcoin? Yeah. Well, he actually understands it from like a mathematics yeah, standpoint. Yeah. You guys should should have him on. You would need you would need to drive the bus, but smart guy and he understands like, anyone who's a derivative of now of your friend group yeah. we have to go through three screening processes <laughs> before we have them on okay because okay. jesse Berger, <laughs> yourself there's multiple of your friend yeah. group that now have to go through we actually have a new system here okay rockstar did we not tell you this please answer these four these <laughs> questions before you come on the podcast yeah but i sent this to him and i'm like dude could you put this in like an excel thing for me and like i could i could like figure this and, out impossible. and he said to me he's like he's like Dude, I don't know what these variables are. Like, I would need to know what yeah, all this yeah, stands yeah. for and then drill into it. And then this would take time out of my day. And I'm not cheap. It's amazing. You know what? I think you're doing a good service for people. When people buy uh, insurance policies and they don't understand what the, the details are and how much they're going to get at the end. And then when it comes out less than they expect, like you described in that one example, and not always, but in that one example that you just described, when you layer on inflation on top of this, so the person's not going to get exactly what they thought in absolute dollar terms, just as looked on the mathematical formula for the insurance policy, it's going to be substantially less than they thought in that example you brought up earlier. Yeah. And then on top of it, the, the value, the purchasing power of the dollars they do get inflation adjusted are just now like, you know, that's so, deep so you, though, man. no, but, but yeah, now, now I'm just saying it, it just, it just goes to show how hard it really is for, let's say the average person to quote unquote, get ahead. Cause you're doing all the right things. You well, buy the, the insurance. What's the number Foss shared on Twitter? You, you just retweeted today. Was it 8%? Down oh, the debt here? ceiling has gone up annual average annual, uh, annually 8.1% in the U S from like 1917. Yeah. So you have to outpace 8.1%. What they I, tell you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That is actually a number of the of the uh, of of the debt ceiling, so that we can actually track. Right. Oh, you know? I see what you're saying. So because it's gone up 8.1 percent from 1917, uh, or I don't think it was 13. It was like 17. But if you're not increasing your purchasing power by 8.1 percent, your dollars are devalued, being devalued at least by that much. Uh, you just, it's just hard to get ahead in the world. So anything that's a 20 year plan, that's like, Hey, you're going to get a solid 5%. Well, it's very likely that that 5% isn't, isn't going to put you ahead any, you know, you're, you're behind on um, purchasing power. The number might grow, but purchasing power. And that's what I think behind. I appreciate Adam, just, just to, to hold on here for one second. It's why I appreciate the book you've put together on this is because you're just bringing some light to an area that's not very clear for a lot of people. And I think it's really hard to get ahead in life. Like you can do all the right things. Think about this. You can work 
work your whole life and then you get a pension. Forget insurance, you get a typical pension. But that pension, because of inflation, when people retire, it doesn't purchase them the life that they thought they might live with travel and do this and do that. They end up coupon clipping just to get through the last years of their life. I've seen it like a million times. And I, th I think what you're doing is you're just bringing some insight into a rather complicated world for people. And as another person living next to you in the city here, I really appreciate that and value that. Thank you. So I do really want to thank you for what you're doing. You're taking heat. You're reading freaking social media comments, which just for your own health, you can never do. Dale, you can't do this to your brother I know, huh? anymore. No, but, but I wanted, I think, thank, I think they addressed some good stuff there. Okay, like, so they let's, may ta be trolls, let's tackle, <laughs> let's tackle another one thing. I think, well, this you don't have most, to name names. No, I, name I would names. never, I would never. This is the most moronic, myopic, and I just learned what myopic meant. So that was great. Conversation about insurance and how it works. I lost count of how many times Adam said, I don't know. That's right. Yeah. I can't really take anything away from that. <laughs> okay. So that comment's approved. Self-proclaimed expert um, <laughs> based on speaking to other insurance advisors, looking at irresponsible TikTok, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So here's not once did he mention he spoke to an authorized practitioner accredited by the, the Institute. Not once did he show the courage to speak to one. An insurance advisor is not the same as an authorized practitioner. Speaks to hit my That's an insurance salesperson. Research. That's an insurance yeah. salesperson okay, in the industry. Okay. Even when I read that comment. Sounds when, like a good guy. When, when you brought it in, I, I kind of, <clears throat> in my own beliefs, I know nothing about the okay. industry. Yeah. Right. I just had to laugh for that. So here's what, here's what I, I noticed. He doesn't understand the process of banking and the tool that Powerful Life uses. Um, I would imagine he doesn't know what the process is or can accurately describe it. Sounds like he's tired of people questioning his authority, which is why he released this. Some Canadians, unfortunately, will listen to his ignorance and accept his research and conclude it's not appropriate for them. I really hope Canadians actually research it themselves so they can decide what's flawed is not the concept. So that person okay, is not starting that. It's way well, Adam understands it and ignorantly describes it. So... That's yeah, what I but, want. But yeah. that's fair enough. I guess that's yeah. fair enough. He's thinking that, uh, you know, Adam's not describing. Sure. No, that's fine. Yeah. You know what? I would define an expert as someone who, you know, I can't remember where I heard this, but an expert is someone who reads one thing at least 10 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And by virtue of doing that, you know more than 90% mm -hmm. of the population. So by that definition, I'm an expert. But to be fair... I saw the podcast back. You called me an expert. I never worked for it. Oh, really? Yeah. Which oh, I appreciate. Shit. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Okay. Way to go. So, so, yeah. this guy, so this guy's got a comment. Okay. What should I call <laughs> you this time? <laughs> I don't know. An ass? I don't know. <laughs> but, and I think th this, this comment made me think about separate the product, which is participating life insurance, from the vision of what is be your own banker and becoming okay. your own banker, which is accessing your cash and your capital at any moment in time without having to ask permission. And most importantly, if you need money, you shouldn't have to sell assets that are growing wealth mm -hmm. to get some money. Simple as that. Now, I would love to have a conversation with this person because there's not a lot, there's not a lot I can work with. You know, they think I misunderstand it. I think they misunderstand it. And it would be great to kind of discuss that and discuss the facts together but this kind of these comments kind of point to the fact that this is kind of sold in a in a cult-like fashion you know the, the last comment because there are only three it's not about rate of return or expecting this certain amount of money in 10 20 or 30 years to be what or what a performer is 
the mere fact that he doesn't get the cash value grows daily uninterrupted is another point. It's a tool to achieve the process as IBC. So that's, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. So what that person's saying is just that it, the, you, you, with this policy, you're getting the benefit of compounding uninterrupted. When you buy a house, you're getting the benefit of compounding uninterrupted. When you buy Amazon, Google, Microsoft, you're getting the benefit of compounding. Well, those those will say there's more volatility in those, so it'll go up and up and down. And valuers, this is it, it, it should be smooth returns. Uh, uh, well, the should argument. be. Then again, I wish they would tell me. Once again, that's yeah. the big issue. So therefore, do universal life, or there's still volatility there. Find buy a basket of stocks, buy a portfolio, buy a balance fund, buy the S and P 500. I would dispute that this is compounding because once again, just because the fund compounds doesn't mean you're going to get any of those returns. They're not telling us what the assumptions are. So the returns could be amazing in 30 years from now. But if we keep printing dollars and there isn't enough assets, growth in the assets to put those dollars into, they're going to need to keep dropping interest rates. It's just how it kind of works. And so what if interest rates keep going down? And they assumed interest rates, well, interest rates will never go into negative territory. That's what we heard a few years ago, right? They'll never go into negative territory. Well, what if they do? What if the insurance companies assumed that interest rates would never go into negative territory? And in 20 or 30 or 40 years, they are. And you're not getting dividends. And dividends you just don't have any control of this policy. Is there an argument to be made for this type of policy that if you invest in the universal lifestyle where you can decide where the investment component goes, there's higher fees? Nick, weren't you saying there's higher fees with that so maybe that's a negative 100 so like you should go with a participating life perhaps because of the fees that are higher in universal life so i had a profile of that client okay. right the guy i'm still working with putting in 200 grand a year potentially we're going back and forth we're still drilling down on something and last week after a few discussions i'm like you know what i'm going to try to to mimic what he wants in a universal life policy. Okay. Basically, same annual premium, slightly different death benefit, same riders, same amount of tax-free room, same everything dollar for dollar. What happens if you would just put that 200K a year into this? Mm -hmm. And in order to have the same death benefit at age like 90, the universal life policy would have had to return an average of 5.5% per year. Okay. Which is interesting. Because I think it's, for me, I would say, just for my understanding, I feel more comfortable, confident in picking a 5% return based on the selection of funds that rather ho- than trusting, that hoping. than hoping the dividends are going to be equal to an annualized mm-hmm. compound of 5% return. But secondly, my commissions on the PAR policy are going to, if I do it, would have been, on this one specifically, would have been like 90000 Meanwhile, the commissions on the universal life policy, that's going to be the exact same thing, would have been around 45000 mm. And I looked at that, I'm like, well, that's part of the problem as well. You know, it's, for a lot, we're all trying to make money, man. You mm-hmm. said it's hard to get ahead. And if you could help somebody, if it's hands off, if there's good history and a strong history of growth, they don't have to worry about picking and choosing. They don't have that volatility. And you're paid twice as much. Yeah, of course you're going to put people. The incentives there. Yeah, into, yeah, yeah, of course you're going to put I people into that, these yeah. products. So you mentioned like, are the fees higher? Well, the difference with Universal Life is that the fees are disclosed. You have an MER. When you put money in, there's a deposit load deduction. So two percent of every additional deposit is given to the Ontario government, premium tax. You don't see that; it's kind of built in, baked into the cake in PAR. So the thing about PAR is, if are the fees high? Well, they seem to be because. 
the risk of death is the same, 2 million par or mm. 200 grand a year par, 200 grand a year UL. The, the, the insurance component, the, the risk of him dying the day, a day after the policy's purchased is the same. So the difference goes into the par fund and the difference goes into the fund that you choose. So if I'm making twice as much off one than the other, then the fees have to be higher. They, they just, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, they, they have to. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. None, none of us can really know. Yeah, I think it goes back to the black box thing. Like, you know, with, with well, look at real, real estate sales, right? People, the, the, the commissions are agreed to in a contract mm-hmm. and advertised. I don't feel like when we got any insurance, there's no discussion of, the commissions mm-hmm. that are being paid out. I don't think that's... I produce that in my illustration. Yeah, okay, but you do, but that's... Every not, illustration but, that, that I see from people that, through this podcast or people that, that I meet, not my existing book of business, I don't know if this was possible in the sure. 70s and 80s and 90s, but listen, adding your commission page is just like a box to click. But is that a, that's not a requirement, right? Now, it may be... I, I don't know. Maybe it's brokerage by brokerage. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't know. I, I don't know. I know it's easy oh, to produce. You You're saying I don't know again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Holy shit, Adam. <laughs> no, but of, I don't remember seeing. Yeah. I, would, I don't remember. I feel like it you would, can ask. I would have. Maybe you was, can ask. Uh, I'm sure. I don't think it would have even changed our decision. I wouldn't have. Really. No, but I just I don't remember seeing. I think I would have t- taken note. I like of knowing that. this though. I didn't when find shit on the real estate industry. Can I? Then at least I can say, well, let me tell you about insurance. I wasn't trying to be like, oh, how much am I going to make on this product with this product? This was just I automatically my settings in my in my in the software is to produce the commission summary mm-hmm. just because it's, it's there and like, I don't have to worry about it. Cause a lot of people ask, what do you get paid on this? And if you just answer the question, then they don't give a crap anymore. Yeah. We never they, even asked. They're going to have to like, someone's going to get paid on this. You know, I just <laughs> like, assumed they got paid a good amount. They did That's usually it. the annual premium. Um, and it was just surprising to see. I wasn't expecting to see that big of a difference in the commission. I didn't think it would be that large for the effectively the exact same thing. But one more thing about not speaking to IBC guys, infinite banking guys, I, I have and I did. And I sat in on a few meetings with them and I didn't say anything because I don't, I'm not there to say anything. You didn't speak? And oh, tell me about shit, it. shit, man. That was, it was tough for you. That it was, was a condition. Yeah. It was a condition. <laughs> so here's some comments that I've heard. Banks won't touch ULs because it's an investment. I'm like, I find that interesting. You're basically acknowledging that participating in life insurance isn't, inve- isn't an investment. Unintentionally, I found that ironic. What, but what do they mean banks won't touch? They won't them? leverage it. You can't borrow oh, against universal it. life got policy, it. which is not true. You can't. You hundred percent. You, you can with the insurance company. Yeah, or yeah. with a third party. Yeah, okay. They do the exact same thing. Okay. Your policy will grow by X dollars a day in those comments. Well, like once again, maybe you're not really told we, enough. We don't. The guaranteed amount is, but no one buys this insurance for the guarantees. Yeah. Nobody does, you know. So once again, I have an issue with that. The loan will not cost you anything in the context of dividends because the death benefit keeps going up and will always be more than the interest. Once again, I think that's irresponsible because you're compelling people to borrow against something simply because they're going to constantly recoup that every year in death benefit. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when that's not the case anymore? And not to mention, I find that ironic because as part of going down this road, I had to look at my regulations under the Ontario government. And actually, there's a rule. This is really helping you because you're getting to know the industry inside out, whether you wanted to whether or not. Whether I wanted to or not, I know, huh? Where did I, did I, did I download everything <laughs> I just I have this image to? of Adam when you call him. He's like, hold on, I have that somewhere and paper is flying yeah. all over his desk. I read that somewhere three days ago. <laughs> 
Here, an agent who holds an insurance license. I don't feel like you're a reality TV show in the making <laughs> here in the insurance industry. I'm not sure how many people would watch it. No one would watch it. But if they it. did, I think it could be entertaining. There's potential. My desk isn't that neat, so you're right. <laughs> an agent who holds a life insurance license shall not borrow a, borrow a substantial amount against the existing contract, whether in a single loan or over a period of time, contrary to the insured's interest. Like, we're, like I find it ironic that we're the regulations basically say we shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, this is a massive part of our industry, selling the idea that you can borrow against these things. Now, here's the thing. I, don't, I think this is a bad regulation. I think you, you should borrow against all your assets, full stop. Sure. 100%. I think you guys would agree with that. Yeah. So I just find it ironic that a massive part of this pitch is to borrow against. Meanwhile, we're technically not even supposed to be compelling people to do so. Mm. Meanwhile, it's really important. I just found these, I just find these things kind of interesting. Um, and, but just to kind of reinforce that point, there's no guarantee that the growth of the policy will be bigger than the debt that you're paying, you know, the interest that you're paying. One person said, practice beyond banker and not immediate financing. So IFAs, if you've heard about them, no, immediate I, financing arrangement. Okay. It basically says when you buy a policy, you borrow it back immediately. Oh, okay. So it, it was funny because one person was trying to create a distinction between IFA and be your own banking. And I'm like, well, they're the same thing. If you are becoming your own banker, you are immediately financing your policy, which kind of points to the fact that a lot of these, a bunch of these people are approaching this as a cult. They're just policy peddling. They're selling this idea. They're selling, you know, all sizzle, no steak, just pushing policies out the door for a big commission without actually understanding kind of, in my opinion, what they're doing. Um, a lot of people were told that they only make 50% of the first year premium. Mm-hmm. It's not true. We can make, usually at least I make 50% of the first year plus 160% of that. So you're in general, you're making about 100 to 120% of the first year's premium. So they were discounting what they were making by you're 50%. You're talking about commissions. Yeah, and commissions. Um, I don't need insurance. It's not. It's an infinite banking pool. That one bothered me. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where are these from? The, the, meetings. These are from like a sales meeting? I'm yeah. taking oh. notes in oh. meetings. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Why take your money from your line of credit when you can take it from your policy and it keeps growing? When you take from the line of credit, it's lost. But if you take from your policy, your money is growing. Wasn't it? I'll read it again. Why take your money from a line of credit? Because when you take that money... Sorry, why take dollars from your line of credit? When you take from your policy, it keeps growing. When you take from a line of credit, it's lost. But if you take it from your policy, your money is growing. That was, I wrote it down, wrote it down what the guy said. Yeah, that, that one's just crazy. Yeah, it's just, I don't if know. You take from a line of credit on a rental property, you're just taking equity from that property, deploying the equity to somewhere else. And can't you do the same thing with infinite banking? Like, yeah, of course. If you took it a line, if you, if you borrow against your policy, of course it keeps growing. If you borrow against your house, of keeps course growing. it keeps growing. If, it grow, if you have a non-registered portfolio with a bank and you borrow money against it, the portfolio keeps yeah. going. This well, is a any, function. Any asset. That one doesn't make This asset. is a function of financial products. Once again, a little bit, some of these guys, it's just a cult. They're yeah, just yeah. saying what they need to say to get you to, mm-hmm. to buy this mm-hmm. product. 
one, one lady was like, why are you asking all this? She said she was made to, <laughs> I was like, why are you asking all this? I just thought that was a funny concept. <laughs> <laughs> you love it. The good news is that you love this industry. I do. That's I do. The, the, I love the, the people. The weird part about hearing Adam right now is that he actually loves this, yeah, yeah. but some people in the industry think he doesn't. Yeah, I know. And, and it's weird because you absolutely love it. I love this. it. Look I love at it. Look at I'm you. almost You're done. Two more. Glory. You're in your glory. <laughs> this lady, that I, one of your listeners, she was pitched to cash, put all of her lines of credit and dump it into the policy. Okay. And that was the most irresponsible thing that I've heard to date. To, to, sorry, sorry, just so I'm clear. To borrow against Take all, all the lines of credit. You have all this credit. To, and put it in put it all the into policy, the policy into the annual premium i don't know just put it all what that's what she was okay i don't know listen i'm sure there was nuance there i okay. doubt the guy would have been like oh you have a million dollars in credit great let's put a million dollars all of it right okay. now okay I, I doubt that would have been the case. okay but what he said it was funny it was why wouldn't you put all of your money in here mm-hmm. and i was just like of course you'd say that so and lastly with par you are a part owner of the fund you are part okay. owner of the fund. I'm like, okay, that's, like, that's true, though. I guess you have part. Oh, well, you, uh, are you if you're part owner? Part, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, no, but I guess you are. Are you? Part, I don't know. Part owner? You're, well, you have an ownership. But that's stake. my whole point with all this stuff. All these things and all these words we use to describe <laughs> it are designed to really make it seem like so. It's so much more complicated and bigger than it is, and it's just. A simple life insurance policy that can be great. So somebody comes off the street to you and says, Adam, you know what? I'm confused. I don't know if I should get a par policy or a universal life policy. How do you begin with them? Is there a quick way that you would say, you know what? Here's what to think about. Or I guess just hearing myself say that, I guess you have to sit down with them. Understand do you need their life lifestyle. I would say if someone, goal, I what are their the goals. Yeah. Let's start. So you're saying, should I get participating or universal life insurance? Do you need insurance? Now, if your answer is yes, I'm like, okay, let's go down this road. If the answer is no, then don't go down this road. Now, if someone came to me and they just said, I think I need one of these, I'm like, well, do you? And they said no, I wouldn't be like, well, hang up the phone. Like, I'm a salesman at the end of the day. I'm going to go through what I do. But off the bat, I'll be like, okay, before we're talking about any products at all, tell me, give me your life. What do you make? Mm Mm-hmm. What does your wife make? It's ultimately what you need what, to do. What you guys have probably yeah. to an extent yeah. do. How many kids yes. do you have? How much debt do you have? TFSAs, RSPs, pension, benefits. I get a full picture. Okay, now that I have the full picture, where are you going with this? Now, what do you want? And when I say a lot of people confuse like money with goals. Sometimes the money sure. are the yeah, goals, yeah, sometimes yeah. they're not. Yeah. But where do you see yourself in kind of 20 years? And most of the time, nine t- 99% of the time, I'm like, listen... I would love to sell you. I think there's a place for this permanent policy, but like, look at the charts that I did for you guys. A million bucks of coverage for 20 years based on this birth date. A participating whole life product, 700 a month. Term 20 for a million dollars, 35 a month. So the question is, are you worried about dying tomorrow or dying tomorrow in 30 or 40 years? And if you're worried about dying tomorrow, then take $35 a month, buy yourself the protection, and focus on building up an asset base. But if you're like, man, I wouldn't mind having some life insurance, and I have RSPs, I got TFSAs, I got some real estate, 
I got money sitting in my corporation. I have non-registered investments that I'm paying tax on, and I probably have an extra five to 10K a month that I don't know what to do with. That's extra. And I'd love to invest it, but I pay tax every year. Then I'm like, well, actually, like, here we go. Yeah, this you're is, a good this, fit. This is, this is for you. Let's start to drill down and to figure out what you want. But let's be honest, that's not most people. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in on one of these insurance companies. They recently had, they're coming out with a new PAR product. And I was at the session and I always ask about what are the assumptions? They're like, eh, they just gloss over it. And I say, so who is this for? I'm like, who, this guy was the actuary. He was the designer of the product. Like, who do you build this stuff for? Who's this for? And this is for two people. A, passive investing, where they're paying 50% every year on the growth in their portfolio. Or B, business, where they retain more than the small business exemption. So Mm -hmm. the first half a million you make is taxed at a lower rate. So basically what that means is this is really only for people who have so much money that they're paying tax on their investments every year or make so much money in their corporation that after expenses and after drawing a salary, they still have way more than half a million dollars of net income at the end of every year. Mm. And as a result, can really see the benefit in this sort of product. I'm sorry, but like... That's not a lot of people. That's really who these feel like they're for. That, that who, they're, they're great for, mm-hmm. from an investment perspective. Now, for everyone else, I think they're good as an insurance policy, meaning you buy 100 grand of it, you have, like me personally, I have a quarter million of it, I have a 6 million of term 20, in 15 years my term 20 drops off, I have that $250,000 policy that's hopefully worth a half a million by then, and the kids are older, I'll probably still have some debt because love debt to make money with and I don't need the term insurance anymore, but I'm not, and maybe then I'll leverage it, borrow against it and have some value, but it, it's not the core. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, what's interesting in this example that you shared, so, so the, it was a term 20 for the million bucks, $35 and then the participating whole at 737. You're right. Depending on what the, 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 the circumstances are and who this is for at $700 extra a month, what's that? That's $8,400 over, over mm-hmm. the year. Like if you invest that in some other things, you're going to end up finishing far further ahead. Oh man, you could. I shouldn't say you are. You could yeah. But there's a there's a, a a pretty solid chance that 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 if you do that right, that's going to serve you far better than it would putting it into one of these policies. There's a group of advisors that are big on buy term invest the difference. Mm. Mm, I don't want to name the company, but it's actually that is also kind of a cult like approach to it. This specific company, at least when I knew them years ago, did not actually, they didn't have any permanent insurance on the docket. It was a lot of captive advisors. They only sell term. And the idea was to buy term and invest a difference. So take what you would have taken into whole life insurance, buy term and take that difference in premium. And what their idea was, that's how you gain assets, right? That was their whole twist. There's all these people buying whole life insurance. It's a scam. I'm not saying it's a scam even though I probably have, but yeah. our, our twist is the way we're going to generate, we're going to rate business is saying, no, you don't need whole life insurance. You actually need term insurance. We're going to take your paying 600 a month. Term insurance is hundred a month. Great. Take hundred a month. You're going to get a, a simple term policy and we're going to take 500 a month and put it in this portfolio for you that we manage. I like that. That's my thing. The only difference is I don't want to manage your money. Mm-hmm. The difference is also is that the term policy expires. So if you, whatever, you get one when you're mm-hmm. you're 40 and you don't die, you know, they expire, what, 20 years? Is that the max you get? 10, 20, 30. Oh, you can get 30 You can get 40. Oh, okay. You can get you, I, I didn't even know. Yeah, you can get any term that you want now. Oh, okay. Listen, no product's perfect, man. 
But the idea is that the other assets that you have in your life, when the term expires, you have enough other assets to cover your yeah, family and anything more, yeah. that you need so that when you pass away, you have this other asset base. Yeah. That's kind of the way I've always thought about it. It's like you just get term. I know I have one of these participating life policies, but I've always had, you know, get term life insurance. And then when you're older, you have assets. So you don't really need the term anymore and you don't really need insurance anymore. I know we now have some, but that's always the way I approached it. That's the way most people should. And I think that's the way most people do. And I'm just, I'm doing this because I, as, as the IBC guys, infinite banking guys have their twist on it to generate business, buy term invested business, buy term invested difference. That's their twist mm-hmm. to generate business. This is my twist mm-hmm. to generate business. Simple and ultimately, I and they all have, they all have their, their pieces of the truth. And the infinite banking guys, I get that angle too, because they're saying like, and I see with the black box thing that we don't like about it, but I see what they're saying. Get this policy, borrow against it, take the money, buy some other real estate, but your policy over here keeps compounding. So you're getting the best of both worlds. And what we're ultimately saying is here, well, you don't really know the returns you're getting on these policies. And that makes the whole thing kind of shitty. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I speak to a lot of people trying to grow real estate portfolios and I don't see if you have a really big portfolio and you're putting like significant money into this every year, I can see how maybe by year six, seven, eight or nine, you'll be able to borrow a down payment. But I I see these as completely separate from like a real, I understand why they're pitched to real estate guys, mm -hmm. but I just, I, I don't buy into it in the same way. I, I want to make money. Don't I, get me wrong. Yeah, I don't, I guess if it's pitches and investment, I, I think I, I agree with where you're coming from because I've never met anyone that's been like, yeah, you know what? I really got further ahead in life because of my life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not that it's, it's, it's a savings. Account, I have met people know? who've been felt very fortunate at the end of life to have this life insurance policy yes. or that they bought one for their kids. Yes. But the dollar amount of it has never been really like, didn't have the purchasing power that they thought it would. That's always a criticism that I get, especially from real estate people. Everybody who I spoke to through your podcast was like, they're like, okay, it's great. Inflation. 10K a year for the next 250 grand. 250 grand is nothing now. What's it going to be in 30 years? Mm. So what do you say to that? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, well, what I say to that is like, this is why it's not an asset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's my point. And that was our big criticism of when we were purchasing it to the insurance guys we were dealing with. I'm like, hey man, inflation adjusted, when this thing pays out, I'm just not convinced it's actually worth it because the dollars then that I'm getting paid out are worth less compared to the dollars I'm giving you today. So the purchasing power, this whole exercise well, is a little futile. the dividends you're getting are five, like, I mean, it's all, you're already, the dividends are five or 6% and what's inflation been in the last, you know, yeah. years since yeah. we've done it. So you're already for falling behind. Yeah. Or if you really like the idea of insurance companies constantly paying dividends, just buy their stock and get an actual sure. dividend. Yeah. You know? Which I like that approach because just clear to me. Get some term life, buy this thing. Then there's other arguments about some of these policies that if somebody, you get them when they're young, maybe knock on wood, something happens and they can't get insurance. So if they have a policy, and I think so you, many brought, you brought that, that yeah. up, Adam. So there are all these different angles. I just didn't know insurance was such a big conversation. You basically, 
simply need a real trusted advisor, mm-hmm. like for insurance. And again, I know you probably don't want me saying this, and that's why I like what you're doing because I think you're building trust with people because I think what you're doing allows people to ring you up, and I think they're going to feel like they're getting an honest conversation with a trusted advisor. Yeah, and if they don't like your approach, then they don't like your approach. They can go to the guys that are focusing yeah. on the term, or they can guys and, go. And, they can yeah. do it. And but, for but the rest, my approach isn't for everybody. And for the, yeah, but it gives it gives an alternative. That's and for the record, I like it when you say I don't know. Nick and I both. Well, these were, guys don't. No, man. but I I want to just say something there because when and whenever Nick and I are dealing with someone and they have all the answers, that's a huge red flag for us. And when someone says I don't know, especially in a professional sales situation where your commission is on the line, I respect it so much because then if that person goes off and gets the answer and follows up with us. You know how much respect they've earned with us? So we actually here at Rockstar, we tell our whole team, look, if you don't know the answer to something, don't bullshit. Just it's, tell It's just so tell funny because I, I read a lot know. of like sales stuff and they're like, instead of saying you don't know, say, I'll get back to you. <laughs> no, just, no. Say, you know what we know. say to say? You know? I say, I, I don't, don't know. know, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find out and, I'll get and I'm going to follow research, up. And if yeah. that person actually follows up at full respect. And I tried to, and I still don't know. Yeah. Just, you know? <laughs> That's a perfect way. So wait, um, what, what else? What, uh, what, let's read, for someone listening to this and says, I want to reach out to Adam, tell it, like, let's just kind of go into sales mode here for a second. What insurance do you cover? All different insurance policies? So on the personal side, I'll do life insurance, critical illness, and disability insurance. Okay. Life insurance, you know, if you die, critical illness. If you're diagnosed with a life-threatening illness, pays you a one-time benefit, the contract's over. Disability insurance, it's based on your ability to work. If you can't work, you'll get paid every month after a certain waiting period to age for maybe five years, usually it's to age 65. Okay. And then the other line of business is group benefits, group insurance. So I That's built, right, I totally forgot, I totally, yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I've built a direct-to-consumer platform where if you're a business, you can create and set up your own benefits plan outside the auspices of an insurance company and without using a broker. It's kind of like, I don't want to compare myself to Wealth Simple or Quest Trade because they're monsters and I'm like a piece of sand on an <laughs> ant. But nonetheless, that's the idea. In the same way, investments are just very available to people through technology. I'm trying to do the same thing with benefits, which are massively misunderstood similar to oh, that was just another thing that thankfully Nick has patience and goes down this path so that would be for small businesses businesses small and large large okay. companies they have less of a need for the technology that I have simply because they're so big it's part of a cost of doing business but it, See, what a lot of people don't know is that insurance is protection but most of what benefits plans are or the vast majority is just the reimbursement of medical expenses yeah and a lot of people don't realize that's what they are so when you're paying your employees it's taxable um, CPP, EI, and taxes are deducted at source. But when they're being reimbursed for a medical expense, it's still deductible to the business, but tax-free to the employee. And a lot of what imp- insurance companies do is just administer that tax-free service. Got it. Advisor makes a cut, insurance company makes mm-hmm. a cut. And my big thing is, is why are insurance companies in the middle of transactions that have no basis in insurance. Like I go to the dentist, the idea is you're pooling risk because one person, God forbid, may need to use it, not you're turning over everyone going to the dentist, physio or Cairo. 
And the issue with a lot of plans is that everybody on the plan can spend more against the premium paid. So premiums keep going up simply because that all the employees can spend more and more of their of your money and there's no controls in place. So when you're a big company, a thousand people, and you hire somebody with seven kids and they're all claiming the plan, you're not really going to notice it because there's a thousand people that that's spread sure. out between. But if you have four or five employees and you were, your premiums were a grand a month and you hire some guy and little did you know he's got you know three wives and 12 kids, they're all on the plan, you just now gave a group of like 10 people 20 grand a year at the dentist, your premiums are only a grand a month, premiums are going to skyrocket. So. Not only was my goal to, A, cut the fees and cut, get rid of the middleman and just offer service online to provide that tax, that tax advantages, but B, through setting up a health spending account, you give everyone an annual spending limit. It's fully reimbursable, fully tax deductible, tax free to them. They don't have to worry about premiums going up every year because you're budgeted. Each employee can only spend a certain amount every year. And similar to investing online, you can go online, manage it, and fund it on your own. So even though other other companies can set these up for you, I try to give you software online where you can do it yourself. Um, you don't have to worry about you know an advisor just connecting you with a platform and making a commission off of really not providing any value. You can just kind of do it yourself and manage it on your own. It's funny one of the chiropractors that we go to that deals with a lot of Tron with the, uh, of the Toronto Maple Leafs, by the way, uh, was just asking for a plan, uh, a plan like this um, a few weeks ago. And I forgot about this. So what's the URL for that? Kibono.ca. K-I-B-O-N-O. Okay. K-I-B-O-N-O.ca. And then yeah. the book on insurance where you're just talking about- Fortuneorfiction.ca. Fortuneorfiction.ca. Fortune. So Kibono, this is cool stands comes from the Latin saying qui bono, which translates to who benefits. So that's where oh, I came up with cool. it. Oh, cool. Nice. I didn't know you had some Latin in you. Latin generator in Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to start using it. Cool. Like, um, anything. Actually, it was funny because when I was, I was trying to figure out well, like a name for this company years ago, and I was like, Clear Shield and True Shield, and, yeah. and they're all two insurancy. So I was like, I can't remember, I was reading a book at the time that had some Latin in it, and I'm like, well, a lot of like the words we use come from Latin words. So I went into the, the Google Latin generator, and I put in the word, I think, like life. And I think Ivari came out, and I was like, oh, that's it, because there's an insurance company named Ivari. And I'm like, they're doing it too, you know? <laughs> you just give me flashbacks. I remember going to like a church in Croatia in mass, and these masses there were like, an hour and a half, two hours. And I remember I could only understand like half the mass barely. And I thought I couldn't understand Croatian at that time. And I remember asking our aunt, I'm like, what's going on? Like, what are they saying? And she's like, well, I don't really know. It's all in Latin. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, half this mass is in Latin still? It's like 1985. <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> anyway, sorry, flashback. That's, that's cool. um, what else should we, as, as we wrap, anything else you wanted to say? I just want to make sure we're giving you the platform. I've said enough. Uh, you've, <laughs> you have said enough. I've said Adam, enough. you didn't need to do this, man. We appreciate Appreciate it. You have an open door to come back anytime you want. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. After you sign all the disclosures that are now oh, in the front don't and even you jump through five. Yeah, tell me about it, huh? Adam, thank you very much, man. Appreciate Thanks a lot, it. guys. I appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Adam. You can find a copy of the book that he put together on this topic that we discussed on this episode at fortuneorfiction.ca. That's at fortuneorfiction.ca. And I'm sure you'll find his contact information there as well. So if you are looking to reach out to Adam, you can find him at fortuneorfiction.ca and reach out to him on that particular website. And if you are listening to this and you think 
that real estate might be a part of your portfolio, you can come out to our next introductory real estate investing class by visiting CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. So that's CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. And that's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>